I got to play GM with the Locked On Mock Draft. This is Tony Wiggins with your Jacksonville Jaguars report here on Locked On Jaguars. All across the Locked On Network, all of the hosts of the various NFL shows from city to city, we did a mock NFL draft. Uh, it was a league-wide draft. I had to stand pat, though, at 9-20 and 20 for Jacksonville with the ninth pick. I got the Jacksonville Jaguars some help on the offensive line with big offensive tackle from the University of Georgia named Matthew Thomas. I almost picked the same guy uh, at number nine that I ended up getting at number 20 for Jacksonville. I stayed in the uh, SEC East, and I took cornerback C.J. Henderson out of the University of Florida. I'm sure the Jaguars will be very, very happy if the draft actually did fell, fall this way. C.J. Henderson at cornerback, an athletic guy to help uh, replace both A.J. Boyer and Jalen Ramsey and Matthew Thomas, which means that Cam Robinson would slide inside to left guard. I thought it was a you know a good draft all the way around. I tell you what, I was hoping that Derek Brown had, had fallen to number nine because that was going to be my pick, uh, but he went uh, in front of me and, and with, you know without any surprise. Of course, uh, there were quarterbacks taken ahead of us, uh, ahead of Jacksonville. There started to be a little bit of a run on offensive linemen, so I went on and, and, and got Matthew Thomas because I did not think I would be able to get a starting caliber lineman at number 20 so the draft went well i will tell you this one of the surprises is this i actually tried we were able to make trades we could trade players for picks and we could trade back i dangled yannick and out there from about number 15 on and there were no takers in fact our friends at tennessee i even got desperate enough to try to trade them inside of the division no takers my man from tennessee said the tic-tac titan said no um i don't want to have to trade for him and then pay him which is a similar situation to what you saw happen last year with Kansas City and Frank Clark. But, um, no, Titans held serve, and they didn't. They decided not to do it. Tried to also send them to Seattle, and they didn't bite. They took a defensive end out of uh, Penn State. So I'm sitting there thinking, like, you know, if Seattle really wanted to keep a defensive end, they could just keep Jadavian Clowney. I, I think they, they're going to try to go young at, at, at that spot. So it's going to be – uh, hard to find Seattle as one of those teams that's going to make a trade for Yannick and Gakwe because they have their own guys that they want to try to re-sign them. They could. Clowney played well for them. I really don't think that they're going to invest that money, invest that capital, and send away draft picks. So I think you can mark Seattle off the list. It was a real, real fun exercise uh, over the last couple of days here on Locked On, uh, for Locked On Jaguars around uh, with the other guys from Locked On NFL. There's a lot of good dudes, uh, Mike Mosher, uh, Mark Mosier, um, Joe Marino, uh, that they they uh, do the podcast for various teams uh, around the league. A lot of well-known guys. Uh, you guys ought to tune in sometimes to the uh, Locked On Network. It, it's it's fun, uh, not only here at Locked On Jaguars, but go around the division. Go around to the divisional opponents and listen to what those teams are talking about. Uh, we have some really, really good national shows, too, that we'll highlight periodically uh, here on Locked on Jaguar. So in the mock draft that I did league-wide, it was Matthew Thomas, uh, University of Georgia, C.J. Henderson from the University of Florida. Uh, I, I think uh, Jag fans will be happy with that. I know uh, th from where I was sitting, they look like the best players on the board that also filled needs for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Okay, coming up now, what we're going to do on today's show, I'm going to look around a little bit, uh, at some of the prospects 
uh, that uh, the Jaguar that could make this team a, a little bit better. Uh, ones that might excite you now and ones that are sort of infrastructure picks uh, for this team. We'll do that uh, after you buckle your seat belts up on the other side here of Locked on Jaguars. When I keep trying to assess and gauge whatever interests I think might be out there for a guy like Yannick Ngakwe, um, I, I don't know how positive it is for him because I don't think that there are that many teams that are willing to give up compensation and uh, pay him the big the big number. Uh, one thing that I think uh, works in his advantage is that he's 25. When you look at uh, all the other free agents that are available, there are no guys on on the list that are 25 years old that actually have uh, this, uh, have had the success that he's had, that have the, the numbers and the reputation uh, that he has. So normally the, the target age is 26 or 27. I think you might see some teams. Uh, one of those teams is the Raiders. Um, I saw a scenario out there today online that suggests that the Raiders – might be willing to part ways with a fit with the 15th pick overall. And if that's the case, the Jaguars should do cartwheels because that means they're getting a very, very high choice. I wonder if they will require Jacksonville to send them something else. If they give them that, the 15 is high. Or would the Raiders then say, okay, let's find a trade partner, move back, get some extra picks. And then once they move back, say, okay, Jacksonville, we'll dangle this pick in front of you. Move back, get an extra third, maybe even an extra second from somebody who's picking late, and then try to move that pick to Jacksonville for Yannick and Gakwe. Uh, the Dolphins. The Dolphins seem like one of those teams that even though they have a bunch of money, they can go out and sign whoever they want, and then they can still entice whoever it is to try to come to South Florida. If they want Clowney or if they want some of these other pass rushers that are out there and then use those draft picks that they have on other people, then they might be wanting to holler at Jacksonville about Yannick and Gakwe as well. It really, really depends. I think they're building a culture of fit down in Miami, and it'd be interesting for me, and maybe I'll get my man Travis Wingfield, who works for Dolphins.com, to come on and tell us at some point um, if he believes that uh, Miami is one of those teams that's interested to make a move uh, for Yannick and Gakwe. But as far as the draft is concerned, I look for these athletes that are really, really twitchy athletes. And what I mean by that is the one guy that I keep thinking about uh, on this team is Josh Allen. You need more guys just like that. That's why that Simmons kid from Clemson really, really intrigues me. Because he's long, he's, he's, he's tall, he's fast, he's rangy. And you need guys like that that can make plays for you if you're Jacksonville. The problem is, is the position that he plays is weak side linebacker. I happen to think he can play strong safety in the NFL. But even if you think that he can play strong safety or will, what's the position of value for using that higher pick on the guy that plays those positions? There's some thought that you can kind of formation those guys out of plays and uh, that you could get somebody who can, who can play those things just as well. Like, I like Ronnie Harrison. Uh, can this kid play with Ronnie Harrison? Could he be a free safety the way Sean Taylor was? I don't know. You know, they 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 lined, uh, they put in his side-by-side -side numbers up. He was a little bit faster at the combine than Sean Taylor. I don't think you can really measure this, but from what I remember about Sean Taylor, who's the best safety I ever saw, uh, he just didn't have long enough to prove it. So most people give that to Ed Reed or Ronnie Lott. 
I just remember Sean Taylor being really, really instinctive. It's almost as if he shot out of a cannon. He knew what was going to happen before it actually occurred. So I don't know if, if Simmons is that kind of player. But it really, really intrigues me when I try to take a guy like Josh Allen and I say, okay, what kind of draft would you like to couple him with? And they ride this thing out for the next six, seven years. Um, Simmons comes to mind. Derek Brown comes to mind. Any Anybody who can be that dominant. And I know some people are after the combine are a little bit lower on Derek Brown than they once were. And I even had some people mention to me, you know, he reminds me of Glenn Dorsey. Somebody said he reminds him of Dorsey, how Dorsey just flat out dominated uh, the Southeastern Conference as an interior defensive lineman while he was at LSU. And then never really, that never really materialized once he got to the league. Well, Dorsey was a little chubby. Dorsey was about 295. This kid is 326 pounds. Dorsey was like 6'2 and a half, 6'3. This kid is 6'5. So there's a big difference. And while he's not twitchy, I don't know if a 6'5, 326 pound man is supposed to be twitchy unless your name is Reggie White. But uh, I saw him dominate people. I saw him be very, very difficult to block. But now, to people's credit, I saw the same thing with Quentin Williams a year before that. A couple of other guys from Alabama a year before that, and it never really, really panned out. Uh, th- that's one of those things where you got to really look at him and look at his motor and go talk to his coaches and find out uh, about him. But I-, I really do think, you know, the the whole thing where you look for the guy with the yellow jacket potential, those are the two guys up front that I really, really think about. I, I like Jeffrey Okuda also. Uh, I like him better than I like C.J. Henderson, who I actually chose in the mock draft. Uh, obviously, Okuda is one of those guys that technically appears to be someone who does everything right. He has good. He's not real big, but he's not small either. Uh, he's six one, you know, over two hundred pounds. A very, very fluid athlete. And you know, his press clippings from college turned out to be exactly right. The kid was everything you want uh, in, a, in a prospect coming out of Texas. Then he went to o- Ohio State, and he lived up to it. So, I really believe. Um, you see certain guys that you know they're going to be good from day one and they have what it takes athletically to not be bullied in the NFL. And I think things will come to them really, really, really fast. So uh, offensively, and I've told you guys this, I love the playmakers. I love Henry Ruggs. I love Cam Akers. I love Jerry Judy. I love J.K. Dobbins. I love DeAndre Swift. I like more guys that can get out and make things happen uh, and, and and give more weapons to Gardner Minshew. It's going it's going to be really really fun watching uh, if the Jaguars are able to address some needs in free agency that will allow them to do some things in the draft that most people don't expect because most people right now are filling all the Jaguars' needs in the first two or three rounds of their mock drafts and they're not considering who the Jaguars may choose or who who they'll be able to get if anybody in free agency. Speaking of that. Uh, I've heard some rumors of some guys that may or may not be available and how that may affect Jacksonville. I'll tell you about it in just a second. So I saw today that the Washington Redskins are trying to do everything they can to work out a long-term deal with uh, Pro Bowl guard Brandon Scherf uh, so they don't have to use the franchise tag on it which means that if they aren't able to work out a deal with Brandon Scherf, they're going to use the tag on her. So mark them off as a team 
uh, that Washington that 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 uh, mark them, mark him off as a player that the Jaguars will have a chance to go after. Uh, I, I don't think uh, they're going to be able uh, to afford him. So now maybe they turn their uh, you know eyes to Mike Rivers or they turn their eyes to uh, the the guy who in New England I think his name is Turney or Tooney. Maybe they start looking at those those type of players. But what they can't afford to do is overpay for another interior lineman that doesn't pan out. Um, so they have to do a better job of uh, evaluating that because Andrew Norwell hasn't been worth what they paid for. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I know why he hasn't um, achieved everything that folks thought he was going to achieve, but the bottom line is he just hasn't done that, and uh, there's no uh, ifs, ands, or buts of trying to get around that. He just hasn't been good enough. So, uh, and, and this administration and what this team can't afford to do is whiff anymore. So, uh, the dynamic is when you start seeing guys that will be available and won't be available, um, it appears that Austin Hooper is going to have a boatload of teams coming after him. And that's going to be another one of those guys, the tight end for Atlanta, uh, that's going to be in high demand. I've heard mixed results on him. A lot of people believe when you watch the tape, what you see is a guy sitting down in the middle of zones that are caused by the fact that uh, Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley and Devontae Freeman draws so much attention. And that Atlanta ain't going to be uh, trying to get out there and, and overpay him because they understand his value. And they also understand why he's had the type of success he's had and that they don't think that he's going to be a guy that they're going to prioritize. Or maybe they believe they can find a tight end or maybe they have one in development that we just don't know about. Uh, Hunter Henry from, from uh, the Chargers uh, has had some health issues. Lots of talent there, though. Uh, I'll see if the Jaguars really, really go after one of those guys and push to get one of them, or if they're going to try to work out a deal, a rumor deal we've heard for Hayden Hurst. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Hayden Hurst is a Jacksonville native, and Baltimore seems like they have 31 tight ends on their team, so um, it, it would seem like he would be a little bit expendable, especially with Mark Andrews playing so well. Um my man Chris asked me to ask, answer this question uh, here uh, on the podcast, and I'll do that. Chris asked me, he said, man, how come, what's, what's the deal with teams being historically good at finding uh, players that play certain positions, and how come other teams don't do well? The one thing I don't necessarily like to do, I hate doing this in college. I hate when people say you can't pick a running back from this college because some dude 20 years ago or 10 years ago didn't pan out he was a bust but if all of the coaching staff has changed and none of the same administrators and the strength and conditioning coaches change do you honestly think it's the stadium do you think it's the uniform or do you think it's the atmosphere of the air that causes the school to not be able to is it some sort of black magic jinx that makes these guys i don't believe in that stuff so i also don't believe in um teams that change administrations and change coaches the problem is here in Jacksonville, they've only had maybe, what, four general managers in, in the in, in the history of the organization over 25 years. So when you have that, you have this continuity. And the unfortunate part of that continuity is if that continuity is losing. If you can, continuity is fine as long as you're successful. When continuity is just losing and losing and losing and losing some more, then, you know, you do see it does seem like these teams start developing these habits 
of not being able to feel uh, great teams. But really, when you think about it, over the last 25 years, I don't know if there's an organization that's had, that's, that has had worse tight ends than Jacksonville. And it doesn't mean that they've all been bad because I think Mercedes Lewis and Pete Mitchell and Kyle Brady were, were good players. But I guarantee you, if you go through every team in the league, they've had at least one or two tight ends that are probably better than all of those guys. Uh, so uh, I, I do think tight end is a problem. For a long time, defensive end and wide receiver was a problem. Uh, after Jimmy Smith and Keenan and then after Tony Brackens, it seems like the Jaguars went forever without having to find a pass rusher. Well, guess what? Over the last six, seven years, or at least five years, that hasn't necessarily been a problem. They've had pass rush. They've had guys on the defensive line that were household names. Um, they used to have linebackers all the time. They had a bunch of linebackers through the years. Uh, that could that could really thump and could really play. Um, Mike P. Puzlesny, my favorite, Daryl Smith. Uh, they they've had a ton of guys over the years that could really really play at those positions. It seems like lately they had Telvin for a little while for about two or three years at a very very high level, but after that they haven't been able to find not one linebacker, but they have the whole position group has really been bad. So if you ask me. One of the things that they've had difficult finding, too, is a free safety. I'm talking about a guy, an Eric Berry type, Tyron Matthew type guy that you could just put back there and you know for the next five, six years you're good at that position. They just haven't had that kind of free agency play. And I'm sorry, Tashawn Gibson, it wasn't, he, he wasn't that. He wasn't what I'm talking about. Like a guy that could really be that Earl Thomas. In the, and a lot of people don't have Earl Thomas, but uh, the point is, is there are some teams that have had Really good free safety play, and the Jaguars seem like they haven't had it. Well, they had they had good cornerback play, uh, but we all know that story, so we won't necessarily get into that. Uh, but 